1 Samuel chapter 6. I'll read starting in verse 1, if you'll follow along in this story before us this morning. 1 Samuel chapter 6, starting with verse 1. And the ark of the Lord was in the country of the Philistines seven months. And the Philistines called for the priests and the diviners, saying, What shall we do to the ark of the Lord? Tell us wherewith we shall send it to his place. And they said, If you send away the ark of God of Israel... Send it not empty, but in any wise return him a trespass offering. Then you shall be healed, and it shall be known to you why his hand is not removed from you. Then said they, What shall be the trespass offering which we shall return to him? They answered, Five golden emrods and five golden mice, according to the number of the lords of the Philistines. For one plague was on you all and on your lords." Wherefore, ye shall make images of your emeroids and images of your mice that mar the land, and ye shall give glory unto the God of Israel. Peradventure, he will lighten his hand from off you, and from off your gods, and from off your land. Wherefore, then do ye harden your hearts as the Egyptians, and Pharaoh hardened their hearts? When he had wrought wonderfully among them, did they not let the people go, and they departed? Now, therefore, make a new cart. And take two milch kine, of which there hath not come a yoke, and tie the kine to the cart, and bring their calves home from them. And take the ark of the Lord, and lay it upon the cart, and put the jewels of gold, which ye return him for a trespass offering, in a coffer by the side thereof, and send it away, that it may go. And see if it goeth up by the way of his own coast to Beth Shemesh. Then he hath done us this great evil." But if not, then we shall know that it is not his hand that smote us. It was a chance that happened to us. And the men did so and took two milch kine and tied them to the cart and shut up their calves at home. They laid the ark of the Lord upon the cart and the coffer with the mice of gold and the images of their emeroids. And the king took the straight way to the, and the kine took the straight way to the way of Beth Shemesh and went along the highway lowing as they went and turned aside Turn not aside to the right hand or to the left. And the lords of the Philistines went after them unto the border of Beth Shemesh. And they of Beth Shemesh were reaping their wheat harvest in the valley, and they lifted up their eyes and saw the ark and rejoiced to see it. And the cart came into the field of Joshua, a Beshemite, and stood there, where there was a great stone. And they claved the wood of the cart and offered the kind of burnt offering unto the Lord. And the Levites took down the ark of the Lord and the coffer that was with it, wherein the jewels of gold were, and put them on the great stone. And the men of Beth Shemesh offered burnt offerings and sacrificed sacrifices the same day unto the Lord. The things of God never belong in the hands of the world. The ark of the covenant, a pretty significant piece of furniture, to say the least. You go back to the tabernacle, you understand a little bit of the ark and its significance. Inside the ark of the covenant was, were, of course, the tables of stone that the law was written upon by the very finger of God. The ark of the covenant was symbolic of God's presence. You recall, perhaps, the story of the crossing of the Jordan River and how 
the waters parted as soon as the priests brought that ark into the water, as soon as their feet touched that water, the waters rolled back, and it wasn't until the ark was completely across to the other side that the waters came upon the Egyptians. Here we find the ark of God in the hands of the Philistines. The Philistines throughout the Old Testament are enemies of God. They are oftentimes warring against Israel. And yet they have captured the ark of God. It's been in their possession now for seven months, according to verse 1 in this chapter that we read. And it had not gone well for the Philistines. Since they had this ark, great plagues began to fall upon them. Obviously, God was not pleased that this ark, this symbol of his presence, of his power, of his word, was in the enemy's hands. And so God was, was uh, bringing plagues. He was bringing trouble to the land of the Philistines. You know, the world today wants Christmas without Christ. We seem to need a Santa, but not a Savior. We want reindeer, but not a redeemer. We want jingle bells, but we want nothing to do with the Jesus book. The Philistines are trying to figure out here what to do with this ark. They're not sure what to do with it. They realize it doesn't belong in their hands. They realize that the God of Israel is upset with them, or so they assume. And so they begin to ask, what are we supposed to do with this thing? And instruction was given. In verse 7, they were to build a new cart. And they were to take this ark along with these trespass offerings, these gifts to the God of Israel, and place them on this new cart. They were to tie the cart to two milch kine, milk cows, cows that had recently had calves, according to verse 7. They were to take the calves and shut them up. They were to pen them up, but they were to take the mother cow who had just had the calf, these milch kinds, and tie them to this cart. Now, if you know anything about cows, you know anything about animals in general and their offspring, it's not easy to separate them. It's not exactly natural for a, a, a mother animal to just let her young be taken away from her. But this was the instruction. Take these new mother cows that are fresh with milk and, and take their calves away from them and tie these, these cows to this new cart. They've never been in a yoke before. They've never pulled anything like this before. And send it away and see what happens. It was kind of like a fleece, I suppose, for these Philistines to tie these, these cows to this cart with the Ark of the Covenant on board and these offerings to the God of Israel, and they were to just kind of turn it loose. Now, you'd think these milk cows, as soon as they're turned loose, would, would run back to their calves. Or perhaps they would begin to kick at the yoke and, and, and tear the cart completely up. They'd never been tied to a cart before. All of this was very unnatural in a sense. But we find that it indeed, these milk cows do take the straight way to Beth Shemesh, back to the people of God. I'm sure as they went through these instructions and obeyed these commands, there was no doubt some wonderment in the minds of the Philistines, what's going to happen? What are these cows going to do? 
Are they going to rebel? Are they going to fight against us? Are they going to try to destroy the cart or the yoke? Are they going to try to go back to their calves? Are they going to go to Beshemesh? Are they going to take a different way? What's going to happen here? I suppose as administration and faculty, though I hesitate to compare us to the Philistines, but we're about to turn you loose. And sometimes we wonder, what will you do? We've tried over the last four months to put the word of God into you. We've tried to take the tables of stone. We've tried to take the very word of God. And through classes, through chapel, through devotions, through church services, through a number of different venues of music and preaching and counseling, we've tried to put the ark of God, we've tried to put the word of God into you. We've tried to teach you through instruction, through example, to live in the presence of God. The ark represented the presence of God, and we've tried to, to instill in you the, the, the thought that God lives within you, that you have his presence. Now, Christmas break. And as you walk out those doors in a minute, the back ones, And you cheer and you get excited and you say goodbye to your friends and and goodbye to the campus and goodbye to final exams and goodbye to dirty roommates or whatever. We kind of wonder, what are you going to do? As you get in that car, as you get on that plane, as you make that journey home, as you get back to your comfortable surroundings of home and your church and your friends from before, we kind of wonder, what's going to happen? We've tried to do everything according to the instruction of God. We're not perfect here. We're we're not uh, a perfect college. We're not perfect instructors. We're not perfect at administration. We're not perfect in everything we do in this church or college. But we've done our best, we believe, to, to put the word of God into you. We've tried to instill in you the presence of God. But now it's kind of like a fleece. I'll throw you out there. And I want us to look at three lessons from two cows. Or perhaps some marvelous counsel from some milk cows. First of all, I want you to see the cow's cargo. On board this cart that these two milk cows were tied to was the Ark of the Covenant. This was significant cargo. This was valuable cargo. This was irreplaceable cargo, the Ark of the Covenant. I suppose most of you in this room have probably done some shopping online. It's kind of the way we do things today. And as you shop online, you you look at the various things that you are wanting to buy or interested in buying, and as you select something, you, you... make that purchase and you add it to your cart. 
And you can move on and find something else and add it to the cart. And before you, you check out, that cart has, has uh, gathered all those things you want to buy, has totaled up the price so that you can uh, give them your credit card number or whatever and check out and receive your things in a few days or maybe even in a few hours. Before you check out of West Coast Baptist College, would you check your cart? Before you leave for the break, would you check your cart? You've been given the word of God. Is it in the cart? You've been instilled the importance of the presence of Christ in your life. Is it in the cart as you leave? Do you understand, young people, that everywhere we go on this break, God's going with us? You're not leaving the Holy Spirit back here at West Coast. When I get on the road in a few days for revival meetings... God's not staying here. The Holy Spirit's not staying here. He's coming with me. What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God and you're not your own for you're bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit which are God's, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not neither knoweth him but you know him. For he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. And oftentimes we rejoice that the Spirit of God is in our cart when we need him. Perhaps as we're preaching our first sermon or perhaps singing that solo in chapel or perhaps going out soul winning. Boy, we're glad that we've got the Holy Spirit and we're glad we've learned some Bible verses. We're we're glad we've got some things in the cart. But guess what? Even when we may not want them, they're still there. We take Christ with us. You are the living word of God. Ye are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read of all men. David forgot what was in his cart one day. David was king of Israel, God's people. David was described in the New Testament as a man after God's own heart. David was referred to often in the Old Testament as the sweet psalmist of Israel. David had a reputation of belonging to God. He had a reputation among people as being right with God. But David one day forgot what was in his cart. You know the story. He saw a woman washing, called for her, committed adultery, murdered her husband, lies, deception, and lots of bad things began to happen. But I think perhaps the most devastating of all, yes, the baby dies. Yes, the sword never departs from David's house from that point on. 
But perhaps the most devastating of all is 2 Samuel 12, 14, where Nathan says to David, Howbeit because by this deed thou hast given great occasion for the enemies of God to blaspheme. David, you forgot what was in your cart. And you see, young people, the world, they watch us. They read us. They know you're not like them. It's obvious. You have Christ in the cart. You have the Word of God in the cart. And yet so often we forget that fact as we go our way and and the world doesn't see the word of God and the presence of Christ as they ought and the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles through you. On this break, will we be unashamed of Christ or will we be ashamed to Christ? The cow's cargo. But notice secondly, the cow's contentment. As I mentioned, I I grew up on a farm and worked around cows. And and, uh, when you take calves away from a cow, if you take little piglets away from a mother pig, if you take a a, a little colt away from a a, a mare, uh, you take young away from the mother, uh, there's problems. If you've ever been out in the, in, 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 in the wild and, and you've maybe, uh, maybe been out by yourself, you've got to be very careful. If you see certain animals uh, at certain times of the year, you want to make sure you don't get between a moose and its calf. You're in real danger. I was jogging in Wyoming one morning and I saw a moose. It was a mother moose. It's kind of grazing there. Kind of looking at me, and I thought, where's your calf? Because if that calf, if I'm between that moose and that calf, I am a dead man. The moose can maul you so fast, you don't know what happened to you. When you take a mother animal away from its young, that's usually not a good thing. These cows that we're talking about here, they'd never been in a yoke. I, I remember trying to train cattle and, and, and trying to put milkers on cows for the first time. And sometimes we had to put special, special uh, 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 machinery on their backs to keep them from kicking us. I mean, uh, they, they don't take to some of those things naturally. Some of you maybe have had some experience breaking horses or, or training animals in some way. It, it takes time. There's a resistance there. And so you think about this picture here as these Philistines take these, these fresh milk cows away from their calves. They put them in a harness. They put them in a yoke. And they tie them to this new cart. And they put the Ark of the Covenant on the cart. And they, they send them away. But, but notice verse 10. They did so. And in verse 12, the kine took the straight way to the way of Beth Shemesh and went along the highway lowing as they went. Lowing. Mooing, if you please. A contented cow. Does that describe us? Maybe some of us can't wait to get out of the yoke. 
I've had about enough of this handbook. I've had about enough of these rules. I've had enough of this structure. I want out of the yoke. Boy, we can't wait till Brother Guest says amen. And says Merry Christmas or whatever he's going to say. Go to fifth hour. <laughs> well, I can't wait to get out of the yoke. I can't wait to get away from the rules, get away from the discipline of time and study. When all the things were taken away from these milk cows that they desired, the Bible describes them as being content. Lowing as they went. You know, some of us need to stop worrying about the cart and the calves and the control, and we need to start focusing on the cargo. Some of you, all you think about is, how can I not be in this situation of having these rules and this discipline, and I just don't like the way this is going, but you've got to remember something. You are a child of God. You have Christ on board. You have Christ in the cart. And stop kicking against the prick. Stop kicking against the cart. Stop kicking against the yoke. And just get concerned about the cargo. We are ambassadors for Christ. And thank God today we have a wonderful opportunity to go out into the highways and hedges and show Christ. God's going to take this student body all over the world in these next four months. He's going to take you as the living word of God. He's going to take you with the presence of God with you to the world. You are going to meet people today, perhaps like Philip met the Ethiopian eunuch, who could take the gospel to their country. Get concerned about the cargo. Young people, can I give you a little secret to life? There is safety, there is security, there is serenity, and there is success Success in submission. And when you understand that you and I belong to Christ, we are his instrument, we are his vessel, we are to be to his glory, I'll tell you there's safety in that, there's security in that, there's serenity in that, there's success in that. The contentment of the cows. The cargo of the cows, but notice thirdly, the cause of the cows. In verse 12, the Bible says, they went lowing and turned aside not to the right hand or to the left. They had one job, and that was to get the ark back to the people of God. There was no desire in these cows for freedom. There was no desire for their offspring There was no deviation from the road, no deviation from the path they were on to the right or to the left. Or perhaps on this journey they saw some green grass that looked pretty good to eat. Maybe there was a nice pool of water where they could have quenched some thirst. Maybe there was a herd of cattle they could have joined along the way. But no, these two cows, they had a cause. Get that ark back to the people of God. No dream of their own, no agenda of their own, just get the ark to where it belongs. It may be Christmas, 
But do the people you and I meet today know what that means? And like the song said, our cause ought to be to get the ark, get the word of God, get the presence of Christ to the world. Wasn't about their agenda. In fact, verse 14 says when they got there, they took these very cows and used them for a sacrifice to the Lord. I think that's one of the most amazing things about this passage. God took some of his creation and he said, hey, I got a job for you to do. And it's not about you. It's not about what you want. It's not about what you need. It's about what I want for your life. And these milk cows were willing to be an instrument of God. To be used for God's cause. Not their own. But his cause. Are we willing to be crucified with Christ? Nevertheless live. Yet not us, not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Is it about us? Or is it about him? And getting his message to them who need it. I don't know how many years ago now I'd have to stop and add it up. But I met a young lady named Ingrid Almaderas. She came as a student with her sister, Star. Ingrid and Star were kind of shy, not real outgoing. Didn't talk a lot. Hung around together. Kind of looked a little bit alike. Hard to tell them apart. Unless you knew them real well. I remember the day Ingrid came to me and she said, Brother Gedge, could you come visit my dad? My dad says he's saved, but he's not doing well right now. Struggling. His Christian life. Could you come and see him? I sensed the sincerity in her voice. I saw the tears in her eyes. This had nothing to do with with her. It had everything to do with her desire to see her daddy do right. I said, I'll come see him. I drove to Phoenix. I visited her dad. We had a good talk. We had a good time of prayer. I remember the day Ingrid came to me and she said, Brother Gatch, my brother is struggling. His name's Maverick. Would you pray for him? I said, sure. Began to pray for Maverick. One day Ingrid came. She said, Brother Gatch, could you come see Maverick? 
He's having some health problems. God's dealing with him. I know God's dealing with him. And he's facing some things right now. Could you come see him? I drove to Phoenix again. Saw Maverick. I drove to Phoenix a few days ago to Ingrid's funeral. A few days before, Ingrid had texted me. She said, Brother Gadge, I have leukemia. I'm in the hospital. Things aren't looking good. But she said, it's not about me. She said, I need to ask you to do something. Make sure my sister stays at West Coast. She said, I'm going to be fine. Please tell her, don't worry. I'm going to be fine. A few hours later, Ingrid went home to be with the Lord. I made my way to the funeral. I really wasn't expecting a lot of people to come to the funeral. I don't know why. I I just thought this will probably be a fairly small funeral. I pulled in the parking lot. I could not find a place to park. I was a full 20 minutes early. But every place was taken. I drove way back to the back of the parking lot to find a spot. Made my way to an auditorium that was already full. People standing I squeezed in to a spot where I sat between people. I had no idea who they were. The place was filled. Service lasted two hours. It was a strange funeral in a way. Because it really wasn't about Ingrid. There was no casket. There was no body. It was a picture at the front of her and her husband. There was a lot of music, scripture reading, some different uh, people said some words. Pastor Lopez preached for at least an hour with Spanish interpretation in between English. And the entire sermon, the entire service was about Ingrid's desire through her death for people in that auditorium to be saved. It really wasn't much about her. It was about the message that needed to get to the people who came to the funeral. When the invitation was given, in the road just in front of me, one of her uncles, one of her cousins stood up, went to the front, taken to a side room, a few minutes later came out, having trusted Christ the Savior.
Others were dealt with. Others prayed. I remember getting in my car. And I thought, you know what? Ingrid's life wasn't very long compared to most. Their life was never about Ingrid. It was always about getting help to her dad, getting help to Maverick, getting help to her family, getting help to those that were lost. That's not natural. That's not normal. But it's a testimony of a life who's willing to say, you know what? What's important is the cargo. And I've got to get it to the people who need it. I hope you have a great break. I hope you can get some rest. I hope you can relax, enjoy recreation. I hope you'll come back energized in January. Some of you that are graduating, I hope that God uses you in amazing ways. But don't forget about the cargo. You're taking with you the word of God, the presence of God. Take the straight road. Don't deviate right or left. Get the cargo to a world that needs it. Let's bow for prayer. Lord, we can learn something from these cows. Your creation in your hand doing what you wanted them to do. What a testimony they are. And Lord, because we have a free will and choice, sometimes we stubbornly rebel at being tied to the cart, at being commissioned with a cause. We, we get stiff-necked about leaving this comfort or this thing that means so much to us. Lord, help us as we dismiss from this place today to think about the cargo and be content in our mission, our cause to get the gospel to a world that needs it. Use these students, I pray.